We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Hey now, Riddle Grinders, welcome to week three in the XFL solo pod edition. We are going to go through all eight teams in the XFL. We're going to break down usage trends. We're going to break down market shares. We're going to break down team identities. Let's get this thing going. Up first, the Dallas Renegades. This is a team that ranks first in pass percentage. This is a team that not surprisingly ranks first in yards per play. Run plays are less efficient than pass plays, so of course, not surprising to see the Renegades closer to the top. Now, I do expect them to be a pass-first team go forward. I expect them to be throwing in situations where you might expect other teams to run. I expect them to be overall above 65-70% of pass plays. Now, when they got ahead, they ran it more last week, but I'm not so sure that's something we can expect to continue. Overall, pass first team. Let's talk about market shares. Starting with the running backs. Lance Dunbar, roughly 14% of targets. In both of the first two games, he will be involved out of the backfield. Go forward. You saw that on the short outbreaking routes, both in team practices and in the games. Cameron Arters Payne, surprisingly getting up into the 10% range as well. Or maybe not surprising when they throw it 70% of the time. This actually could have been higher if you watched their pass percentage in the first half last week where they were ineffective on offense. They were actually like six runs to like 25 passes in the first half. So the Renegades are definitely a team that we have to keep our eyes on in terms of their percentage of run versus pass. 
it could get up to 80% no problem in any given game. Donald Parham, 14% the first week, 26%. The second week in terms of market share of targets, he is involved in this offense. He is an outlet player for them, an extension of the run game in some respects, and someone who has a lot of touchdown equity. We saw him score in last week's game. The bottom line is Parham is going to be involved heavily, and we should be considering him. Price considered, of course. He's got touchdown equity, someone who could be a factor if the price is right. Now let's talk Flynn Nagel. 7% of targets last week, 14% the week before. He's a slot receiver, someone who provides us somewhat limited spike week potential when it comes to DFS, not someone who is super high on the priority list in an offense like this where the ball is being spread. Jeff Badet, 21% of targets last week, 9% in the first week. Injuries got him off the field in week number two. I expect this to go up. The routes run 30 and 33, highest on the team. Look for Jeff Badet to have upside in what we've seen thus far from him. Everyone else on the team stinks. Not someone that we should be highly focused on for DFS purposes. In week three, the Renegades will face the Seattle Dragons. Fifth in yards per play allowed. Second in sacks. Second in sack percentage. Third in QB hits. It's a team that can play some defense. Sixth in yards per carry allowed. Not so easy to run against. Not the best tackling team. Probably hasn't faced the toughest competition. The defenders struggled to run it week number one. Last week, the Vipers couldn't get anything going with the quarterback situation. I think Dallas is in a pretty good spot here. I think they can get it done on offense week number three. We'll have to see how that goes for DFS. We mentioned the spread looks as far as who could potentially get the ball on this team market share wise. Not the easiest to find DFS value that way. But as far as the matchup's concerned, we're not necessarily believing what we've seen from the Dragons in terms of their numbers so far. Next up, let's talk about the DC Defenders. One of the better teams so far in the XFL has not faced the stiffest of competition. That being said, first in passing touchdown percentage, second in rush percent overall, they've been ahead in games, second in yards per play, that's a big one. Fairly efficient by XFL standards. Haven't been sacked, very likely due to the mobility of Cardell Jones, that's big. Not being sacked has been a plus for the Defenders offense. Speaking of which, they will face in week three, the LA Wildcats. First in yards per play allowed. Seventh in sacks. Eighth in sack percentage. Should have no problem getting pass plays off in this game. You must like the defenders in this spot. First in yards per carry allowed. First in yards per attempt allowed. Are the LA Wildcats defense? Should not expect things to improve here with the defenders coming to town. Albeit, I do think this game could be close. But I do favor the defenders offense in this spot. Market share-wise, on the ground, Donnell Pumphrey, Jarrell Presley, roughly even split of carries overall, at least in what we saw last week. First week, it was more Presley. Last week, we saw Pumphrey get involved on the ground. I think the latter is what we're going to see go forward. He was listed first on the death chart last week. I did not take full advantage of that information. Did not believe it. Pumphrey got the first snaps in week one, did not play a big role on the ground. Week two... The opposite was true. What's even more impressive about what we see from Pumphrey? 13% market share of targets week number one. 15% of targets week number two. It's a big deal. 
You're talking about very slim margins for DFS success in an eight-team league. PPR scoring. Donnell Pumphrey looking pretty good here for the defenders. He also looked pretty explosive if you watch the games. Hashtag watch the game. Jarrell Presley. Disappointing. DFS-wise. Market share-wise, not as disappointing. Half the rush attempts. A little bit less than half the rush attempts. 13% and 6% target share-wise. He could get it done in some week. We, we probably want the price to go down a little bit here for Jarrell Presley before we get super excited. Eli Rogers, top market share recipient on this team, 26% and 24% respectively, running a lot of routes. You have to be excited from what you see here. He's my top projected player outside the quarterback on the D.C. Defenders week number three. Rashad Ross has been a deep threat only type of a play. For this team, not getting a high percentage of targets, but all of his targets are getting used roughly 15 plus yards downfield. I don't have data on that. That's just what I've observed. So if you're playing Rashad Ross, you're looking for long touchdown passes. DeAndre Tompkins was also extremely involved in his first game back, listed as a starter on the depth chart, 26%, scored a touchdown, uh, running, running a good amount of routes, not as many as Eli Rogers, but second most on the team here. You must consider DeAndre Tompkins at his price tag in week number three, looking like a fairly strong option here. I think he's going to be probably a bigger threat overall in this offense than Rashad Ross. Moving on to the Houston Roughnecks. Yes, the highly touted Houston Roughnecks. Third in passing touchdown percentage, second in passing percentage, third in yards per play overall, not being sacked. We're seeing Philip Philip Walker, guys, blitzing him, bouncing right off these blitzers. This is what we saw last game. Fairly mobile quarterback, spread offense, gets the ball out quickly. You got to like what you see from the offense here, especially when you consider their weak number three opponent, Tampa Bay Vipers. Sixth in yards per play allowed, but just eighth in sack percentage. They're not getting to the quarterback. We love that with Philip Walker. If you're not going to pressure him, he's going to have all day to throw. He's going to pick you apart in this league. Otherwise, the Vipers have played fairly well in defense against their two weaker opponents, the Guardians, the Seattle Dragons. But still, we don't have confidence in this defense right now. Not against the Houston Roughnecks. Market share-wise for the Roughnecks, pretty, pretty good for Cam Phillips. He scored three touchdowns last week. Not necessarily the best output when you talk about the number of receptions and the yardage there, but 32% of team targets, that's big. 23% in this first week. Running all the routes. He's involved. He's worth consideration until this share drops. And I do think at some point, 32% is going to be unsustainable when you have Sammy Coates around, when you have Khalil Lewis around, when you have Nick Holly around. But they're throwing it a lot. He's going to be a threat to score every week. He's Walker's guy. That's clear. Running back situation, not as fun. James Butler, really the third string back. I guess we'll call him the second string back for now, but D'Angelo Henderson looked like he was going to be ahead of him before he got hurt. Probably earned a role at this point with how well he's played, so that's going to only dilute things more. Andre Williams, you cannot play him. He's cheap. He might score a touchdown, so I shouldn't say you cannot play him. But he's not involved in the passing game. That's not what we want. We're talking about split duty situation, not involved in the passing game. That is not what we want for DFS purposes. Find someone else. 
Let's talk about the LA Wildcats. Underrated, in my opinion. Not because they played well. Not because they deserve to be called underrated by any stretch of the imagination of what we've seen. But I think from an offensive standpoint with Josh Johnson coming in, they can play better. Seventh in yards per play right now. That's going to go up. They've been sacked a lot. High sack per- Second highest sack percentage in terms of the number of times they've been reached by opposing defenders. Third highest pass percentage. We like that for DFS. There's some guys on here that we think we can use. Their opponent this week, DC Defenders. Best in the league yards per play-wise. Now, it's against two bad teams. So we're not getting too excited yet. I think that's going to lead their defense to be a little overrated. I don't think any of these defenses are very good. Defenders, no exception to that. Sack percentage, just the sixth highest. They're not getting to the quarterback in D.C. Their success has not been as a result of pressuring the quarterback. Fifth in QB hits. I don't think you should fear the Wildcats this week. I think you should get them in there. should stack this game. Market share-wise, Elijah Hood. 50% of carries week one, 55% week two. It's pretty good. But the lack of passing game involvement so far, not as good. We'd like to see him involved in the passing game a little bit more. Otherwise, nobody else in this run attack worth pursuing. Josh Johnson has the value as a runner that we love to see. If he continues to run, he's going to be an option in DFS every week. Let's talk about my son, Nelson Spruce. 35% of targets week one, 27% of targets. Week number two. He's a stud. We saw it coming before the season. This has been confirmed through two weeks. Expect big things from Nelson Spruce. Of course, the price tag is going to come up along with all its production. You're going to hear stuff about Adonis Jennings. 15% of targets last week. Had the three-point conversion. Was targeted downfield a lot. I saw Josh Johnson aiming at him down the field. I don't think he's very good. I went off on him in the pod last week, suggesting you can never play him. Well, he's the minimum salary this week. I'm already going to walk that back. I'm not saying I like Adonis Jennings. I think he's pretty bad at football. Most of the time, he's going to run a lot of routes and not get a lot of targets. He's not open. But he's 3K. I withheld his projection as much as I could, but folks, you play anyone for the right price. Jordan Smallwood, 16% of targets, 17% of targets. That's not bad. We don't love it. He's kind of a, he looks like a bigger dude out there running around. I sort of feel like he could get it done in the red zone. Mild interest. Folks, and Trey McBride, where in God's name is Trey McBride? Was not inactive last week. Did not have a practice status. Was listed as questionable on the status report. What the hell's going on here? I wish somebody would tell me. I would think he's one of the better receivers on this team. He's definitely better than Adonis Jennings. Can't play him until we know something. Side Blacknall. Ran a lot of routes week one. Was not able to play last week. Best I can tell you there is starting to look crowded with a bunch of names here. Can't really. He's just 3,300 this week. Can't really endorse it unless we get some kind of a sign that he's in. His role is big. Speculation in tournaments only. Let's talk about the New York Guardians. Oh boy. Here we go. Lots of drama in New York already. 
Eighth in yards per play. Terrible after week number two, of course. Didn't get anything done last week. Not really being sacked. Fifth in sacks. Fifth in sack percentage. Pretty balanced. Fourth in pass percentage. Offensively speaking, probably not as bad as they've looked. But they're bad. Matt McGloin was not accurate last week. He's going to be hit and miss in this regard. I think there'll be some weeks where he'll actually be on his game passing. If he continues to be the starter, they'll look a lot better. He certainly wasn't willing to be afraid to throw it downfield. Saw multiple targets go downfield last week to bad receivers who couldn't catch it. They were off target, etc. and so forth. Lots of problems with this team. They lost their second string running back, Darius Victor. Knocked himself out. <laughs> you know, I mentioned I liked him because he's able to break tackles. He broke a few tackles on his first two runs. Did exactly what we thought he was going to do. Third run. Runs full steam into a linebacker, knocks himself out. Makes me look bad. But I still like him. I don't know if you can play him this week. St. Louis, a tough matchup to say the least. Seventh in yards per attempt allowed. Second in sack percentage. Fourth in yards per play. Not a good matchup. Playing in front of what should be the biggest home field advantage in all of the XFL. St. Louis is pumped. To have football back. Market share wise. A little bit hard to dissect. Because we saw a couple of things. Come across our desk. That we didn't expect last week. We saw Victor go out of the game. That led to 62% of carries for Tim Cook. I'm not sure I expect that to continue. Matthew Colburn came in the game. I don't know how much he'll play a role. Overall. This backfield. Is going to be a split duty situation. Mostly Victor. And Cook. If we can't trust the offense in a given week, we probably can't trust these backs, even if they're cheap. Receiving-wise, Joe Horn fell off a cliff. 12% of targets last week, 30% week one. He's not what we expected. Of course, they were losing badly in this game. They were trying anything they could to get other guys in the game. We saw Austin Duke get a downfield target. We saw Taylor Redding in on 17 routes. Kobe Pearson not playing as big of a role. Mikael McKay, 24% of targets. We like to see that. That's what we expect, though. And he wasn't able to get it done. No tight ends to speak of here. Running backs are used in the passing game. We can at least hang our hats on that. Let's talk about the Seattle Dragons. Oh, boy. The Seattle Dragons are not a good football team, folks. Sixth in pass percentage. Lots of run plays being executed here in Seattle. Sixth in yards per play, not efficient on offense. And their quarterback, just quite frankly, isn't very good. Not someone to hang our hats on here. Brandon Silvers might be the worst quarterback in the league. At least the worst starter that we've seen so far. And you saw Matt McGloin last week. They'll be up against Dallas, third in yards per play allowed. A little bit of success being had against them, but they've had two tough opponents. Fourth in yards per attempt allowed. Don't expect that to make a big impact on what the Dragons can do through the air. Their one big play was against possibly the worst cornerback in the league, who was only in for three plays, got burned on one of them. We're not hanging our hats on that. The more concerning part is they haven't been able to get to the quarterback. But with Seattle, I don't expect that to continue to be a problem. Even if they're not getting home, I do expect that it'll be difficult to move the ball on this Dallas defense this week. Don't like the Seattle offense at all. All right, let's talk Dragons usage. Split committee, three ways. 
Farrow, Williams, Gardner, 32, 35, 32% of carries last week. That's disgusting. It's going to be hard to endorse any of them. Ever. If they do not consolidate this work to some degree on one of these backs. And I don't see it coming soon. In the passing game, Austin Prohl is really going to be the reliable target here. 24%, 22%. But the problem is, I do expect that those targets are going to be short area in nature. And you're not going to see him run for 57 yards and a touchdown most times he catches those short area targets. So you'd like to see that share continue to be above 20%. And you'd like to see him be the primary used weapon in the red zone. Of course, they're not going to be in the red zone that often, in my opinion. So I don't love Austin Pro, but he's probably the best dress pick at the ball here. Keenan Reynolds also saw a large share of targets, but I expect that to go down. If Cason Williams were to return, Dantes Bird stinks. He might get a bomb sometime because he's getting targeted downfield, but he's not exactly what we're looking for. A dart throw, if you will. Everyone else on this team stinks. St. Louis Battlehawks, let's talk about them. Pretty good team. Should have won last week. Jordan Tamu, rookie mistake. Thought he got the free play, threw the pick. Cam Phillips' luck box is a third touchdown. The rest is history. They lose the game. First in rushing percentage. That's no surprise. The coach said on TV they want to be 50-50 run-pass ratio. It's not what we like to hear, but it's what they're going to do. Fourth in yards per play. Third in sack percentage. Overall, this offense is going to look pretty good as long as they can move the ball on the ground. They could be up and down in games where they face an opponent who's able to slow them down on early downs. They're going to face the New York Guardians this week. Second in yards per play allowed. Second in yards per attempt allowed. Fourth in yards per carry. This could be a spot. Oh, baby. This could be the spot where they get the run game going. Looking pretty, pretty good. Market share wise, Matt Jones got dinged up in the game last week. Maybe 37% will go up. Probably expected to be closer to 50% like we saw week one, but Michael played pretty good too. Once Jones went down, Michael acquitted himself well. He could be back in the good graces. Of course, they have Keith Ford who could be in there to muddy things up, but most likely projection to be accurate for this team is something close to a split. I have 40% and 36% right now. I have more touchdown equity for Matt Jones, but it's not by a lot. A little bit more target share equity for Matt Jones. Neither... Matt Jones nor Michael is getting a lot from me right now. Bottom line, you love this run game this week, but you wish you had some knowledge that one of the two backs was the guy. Right now, we need to wait for injury news before we make an assumption. In the passing game, DeMornay Pearsonell has been incredible. 30% of targets last week. Lots of targets in terms of raw volume. Looks like the guy in this passing game. Doesn't is not running the most routes. Comes off the field a few times, but when he's in the game, He's a weapon. They're looking to get the ball to him. LaDamian Washington, 19%, 22%. Both of these target shares look sustainable for him. That seems to be his role. He is the number one in this offense on the outside. Of course, Pearsonell is the number one target overall, playing the slot, very valuable in the XFL. But I think we need to look at Washington and Pearsonell as two of the receivers who are going to get the most concentrated share of any on any team. That's a good thing. We like that. I stacked them last week. It paid off. Russell, Mumphrey, Agadosi, Marcus Lucas. They're going to be tough to trust. They're mix-ins only. For now.
Last team, Tampa Bay Vipers. They have not had a good run. Sixth in yards per play. They move the ball a little bit, but they can't score. Leads me to believe they're better than what we've seen, but they're not very good overall. The quarterback situation's an issue. Even if they have Aaron Murray, he's not necessarily a lock to be any good. It's a problem. They're facing Houston. That's a, that's a problem, too. The Vipers first in sacks. First in sack percentage. Facing the team that's first in sacks. And first in sack percentage. First in QB hits. First in passes defended. Eighth in yards per carry. Sixth in yards per attempt allowed. Seventh in yards per play. It's not good on paper. The Roughnecks are on the road, but... Whew. You're going to tell me you like these Vipers this week? I would press back. On paper, looks like they, they're they a volume-based play. They're not going to be efficient. Could be good for someone like Reese Horn. Let's talk about him. More targets last week than he saw in the week before. More time on the field than he saw the week before. 15%, 23% are his two market share targets through two games. Dan Williams, his role dropped off. Wasn't on the field as much. We saw some Tanner McAvoy. We saw some Sean Tavis Jones. Jones actually got a couple of targets. Looks pretty big out there. Not sure why he's not in the field more, but I think they like Dan Williams better. Overall, Tolliver, dart throw. 24%, 12% are his two target shares. Running a decent amount of routes, but I, I just don't think he's the kind of guy that's easy to trust week to week. Looks like Horn for me is the guy that you want to try to trust in this offense if you think he's going to be on the field. I do think against Houston, he will be on the field. He is too cheap. I don't have a tremendously high projection because of the game environment I mentioned before, but playing the slot in the XFL, I do think Horn has the best chance of success on this team. Might even be your play in cash games. Devion Smith and Jock Patrick. Let's talk about it. Very important. Last week it was more Smith. This week it was more Patrick. This week, Patrick, 45% of rushes. Smith, 35%. Targets-wise, 6% Patrick, 8% Smith. It's been flip-flopping. These guys seem pretty interchangeable. Patrick's the cheaper player. Looks like he's going to be a slightly better play, albeit slightly. Based on price. Quinton Flowers did not acquit himself well last week as a quarterback. I doubt he's earned that role. Taylor Cornelius, as expected, was terrible. You can't trust this team right now. We need Aaron Murray in there, and if he's in there, even then, it's difficult to trust. My reactions overall to these teams through a couple of weeks. The teams that are rated fairly properly. The Roughnecks probably not quite as good as what we've seen, but they're probably one of the best three teams. I think the Battlehawks are too, but the problem with them, I don't like how run-heavy they are. I think that could be a problem in some situations. The defenders and the Dallas Renegades round out my top four here. I think the Renegades are better than they've looked. But I also think they have some problems. So I don't expect them to win the championship. The defenders, I think they're in contention. For sure. We'll see how they do against better teams, though. I think you can cross the Dragons off your championship list. It's not happening for them. The same with the Vipers. I don't see it. So you've got two teams left that I think could turn it around. The Guardians, who I think are less likely to do it. But the Wildcats, they could surprise people. They started off with two losses. We'll see if they can improve that defense. If they improve that defense, they will have a chance. 
Folks, that's going to do it for the Identity Podcast here for week number three in the XFL. Hopefully you learned something. Hopefully you have a sense of who these teams are better than before you started this broadcast. I'm Christian Mino. We'll be back again later in the week for the game-by-game breakdown. Best of luck.